Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the JT and Big O podcast. We are your hosts, Video Geek JT and Ryan Big O Regan. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm just happy there's actually some sunlight. I am tired of all the rain. I've had to drive in it. <laughs> Not fun. No, uh, it, it hasn't. It's actually, it wasn't even really, it was a tropical storm. Like, it, it, we're in midsummer right now, and we're getting hit with tropical storms already. It, it, the, the 2020, it's just a weird year. Yeah, I mean, even before the tropical storm, we were getting rain where we got, like, you know, golf ball-sized hail coming down. And, like, 70-degree, 80-degree weather, we're getting hail. Big old ice rocks. Yeah, that it's, was that was earlier this week, right? Like, we're, yeah. it was just like flying Same down. Same damn week, like right after Fourth of July. This is uh, I I want to keep repeating myself, but it's like it's like every few weeks to every every month, it's just something bad this year. And I don't know if it's manifest destiny where we're just like, oh yeah, it's it's just a terrible year. But it does. It seems like big stuff happens almost every month. I almost feel like we should do like a little sub podcast called Plague Watch. And like every week we not we jot down like the top three things that have happened that should not be happening, but are happening. I was just added to this podcast. It'll be our little five minute news segment. COVID watch. Yeah, well today in the news we almost died again. Oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, this week gremlins have returned. Um and it's not so, the reboot you're thinking about. Oh, is there going to be a reboot for that? Oh, yeah. Uh, last I heard that they were actually working on an animated series, which I think is going to be on HBO Max. Really? Yes. Which I'm kind of surprised there never was one to begin with. Like, with all the little 80s movies that got cartoon versions, I'm surprised Gremlins not never got one. I mean, we got an Ewoks uh, television show. We had uh, Manchichi, we had Popples, we had Snorks. We never got a Gremlins. It's going to be a weird question, uh, but would you happen to know of anything involving Steven Spielberg other than Looney Tunes uh, product properties ever got turned into an animated series? Like actual properties of his? Yeah. Ooh. Because um, I can't recall. I actually, Back to the Future was an animated series, but you know, I yeah, that, but uh, would that be considered a Spielberg property or is that more of a Zemeckis? I'm not 100% sure because even though Zemeckis did create it, it was uh, it was produced by uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, studio, Touchstone, right? Not Touchstone, Ambien. Oh, I, okay, I, I forgot which was which, which I think, but... yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as Steven Spielberg presents, usually most of his animated stuff was original, whether it be Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, Hysteria. Which uh, why I was saying Looney Tunes, because it's kind of related a little bit to the Merry Melodies. Right. But um, no, outside of that, I can't think of any other one. Uh, yeah, well. doesn't ring a bell. That's, that'll probably have to be something we search one day. We'll just have to do like a whole retrospective on 80s. Did it exist? Did it not exist? Like an unsolved mystery sort of thing. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, uh, also returned recently, though. Uh, it, didn't, uh, it didn't have the same feel as the old series. It felt more like a Netflix documentary that just kind of used the name Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, and having that really creepy picture of the original host just kind of superimposed into the, uh, the intro there. 
Oh, Robert Stack, yes. Yeah. Well, he was Unsolved Mysteries. Just he like, was. Uh, you know, kind of like in the same way William Shatner was um, Rescue, you know, 911. Rescue 911 on CBS. I think even more so. It's like you can't think of Unsolved Mysteries at all without thinking of that man's voice is talking about unsolved stuff. Yes, um, Robert Stack had a great voice. In fact, part of the Transformers movie, as he was the voice of... Um, uh, which one was he? Uh, not. Uh, I wasn't aware. Ultra of Magnus. Movie. Ultra really? Magnus. That's who he was. I was not aware of that. Oh yeah, no. The, he was all kinds of eighties in the beginning, uh, especially being part of the airplane franchise too. Uh, but Robert Stack, he just had like a great low voice. It's like it commanded respect. So yeah, you put him in a trench coat and you have him talking about scary stuff. You're gonna listen to everything he has to say. So, did you see any of this uh, series at all on Netflix? Can't say that I have. Um, usually when it comes to like mysteries and everything nowadays, I don't so much listen to television. I'm more on the internet and listen to like creepy pastas and stuff of that nature. Well, in fact, um, uh, was it? I think uh, Mojo just went ahead and did like a top 10 mysteries you probably never heard of. So it's like, yeah, I've got that. Why am I going to go ahead and spend a whole half hour, hour per episode for something else? Yeah, I guess in that way, it's sort of like uh, how home uh, America's Funniest Home Videos was. Like, back in the day, you didn't have a YouTube to watch that stuff. Now you have access to watch all these mistakes all the time. Uh, but the only reason I, I, I brought it up was uh, I didn't watch the actual series on Netflix for Unsolved Mysteries, but I just I wanted to listen to the intro just because to see if they still had the same music, which they did. But then at the very end, during the actual title credits... They just, behind the title, they superimposed a really creepy picture of Robert Stacks. And I'm just like, Stack. why did you do Stack? But yeah, it's just like the super picture of, like superimposed picture there. And I'm just like, it, it, you're not really honoring him. You're ter- He's dead. And you're making him look like a ghost in this intro. It's like, I wonder what the family thinks of that. Did they approve of that? I would have to think they did simply because it's his likeness. It's a matter of, you know, it would be the same thing as if the original series was doing reruns and they'd get royalties, I'm sure. So I'd have to think they had to sign off. It's like, hey, we want to make your uh, daily departed a ghost. Uh, would that be cool? <laughs> How much you get the money for it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you do it for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't think that the the estate of Robert Stack isn't going ahead and getting like some sort of little paycheck just for having his image on the screen every episode, regardless of whether or not they use it for anything else in the entirety of the series run. Uh, but that that's all I got out of that show. Uh, uh, outside that, like you, eh, I don't need to watch Netflix to, or uh, a full hour program for, for this stuff. Yeah, we got enough mysteries going on in the world that I don't need to know about the ones that we definitely can't solve. Give me something that we have a chance of like finishing up this year. Uh, I don't know. I'm just hoping we survive this year. I hope the human race survives this year. Well, you know what has survived so far and is actually making a bit of a comeback into the zeitgeist of nerd culture? Anime. Anime. All right, obviously, COVID-19 has had its run throughout the um, bigger parts of Asia, and there was a lot of production that ended up being halted most of the time that we've been quarantined. So a lot of the spring 2020 shows weren't able to get off the hilt, and 
any of the winter 2020 that still had to finish up, that's all you had to work with. Like I would remember going from like five or six shows a week to down to like two because those are the only things running. Sorry, I got a little distracted there. One of our viewers who, who actually does listen to this show decided, and I've told what time we taped this show, has decided to message me. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I missed what you kind of said with this other than the fact that we're talking about anime. <laughs> Just pretty much bringing people up to speed that the industry itself has been slowed due to the pandemic. Uh, especially since everything pretty much started over in Asia. And now we are finally getting a lot of shows premiering for the summer 2020 season, as well as a lot of shows that were halted now coming back into the fold. So there was going to be a whole lot to stay in and watch uh, for the next few months. Well, and, uh, it's not as much as there has been in other uh, premieres. I mean, there's plenty out there, but... To, it definitely has still slowed it down. There's still not nearly the amount of production there normally is. Uh, well, I imagine some things probably got backtracked simply because you, no production company wants to hold, go ahead and have like all their stuff out at the same time of the year, kind of like in the movies. So some things are probably being pushed back to winter 2020 or even uh, you know next year in 2021. Yeah. True. I, I'm not saying I'm surprised. I'm just saying, like, it's it's definitely not a lot. Uh, no, but it's still a good sign. I mean, if this stuff can be starting to come back now, when that place was the you know ground zero for everything being affected, hopefully it's a nice little ripple effect for other things to be coming back later in the year. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. But I'm just I'm saying it's just not as many as normal. That's all I'm trying to get at. Well, was there uh, anything that you were ever actually, you know, seeing anything that was worthwhile watching uh actually yes an original it wasn't actually uh, a japanese property it's actually a, a south korean one called uh, god of high school which is being produced by crunchyroll uh, this is something i kind of like that crunchyroll has been doing where they've actually been investing a little bit more into some south korea properties uh specifically uh stuff from webtoons which i really like um, I did not get to read this series and I'm trying to hold myself back because I'd rather watch the anime at this point than try to like super fly by the, uh, the, the comic and be very sad to how long I'll wait to get to good parts. <laughs> but, uh, but so far I really like it. The anime, like I didn't get to really see tower of God either, but I remember one of the biggest complaints about that was the animation was it wasn't as smooth or uh, well-defined as some, other anime out there this one looks like they put a lot more effort into it uh it's a lot smoother a lot more uh flowing and i think for a show like this which is very martial arts based uh really helps it see i watched tower of god and i didn't even have a problem necessarily with the animation i did notice that there was a different style to it simply because it's it kind of almost had like that uh, big black line sort of animation to it where everything kind of looks a little bit more cartoony than it should in some cases. It's, it's a little thicker. It's a little choppier. It's, it's, it's like, uh, but you know, it's like the, there's a difference usually in some styles of animation where Naruto is a good example because Naruto actually switches styles where Naruto will have the very choppy style where they're trying to save production costs on the animation. And then for the big battle fights, then they go all out and it's just flying all over the place. 
Right. I would say uh, Tower of God incorporated the same mentality because there was uh, definitely one or two fights in there, even if they were just like, you know, one episode and standalone rather than one of those, you know, typical arcs that goes episode to episode. Mm -hmm. It still felt like they punched in enough to make it necessary. So I don't understand why people will knock on the animation when they know it's a television series. It's only 12 episodes. It's not like uh, One Piece or Naruto or um, Black Clover, which also came back. It's not going to be one of these long-standing things where there's like a set budget and you just get used to it. You either have the certain amount of money and you plug it away the best you can, or you have bucks on top of bucks on top of bucks and you can play with it whenever you want to. Because animation is really sort of an art style. So, you know, it's the difference between uh, a stick figure drawing and uh, a Renaissance piece. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going for two widely different examples here, but you start going for the in-between to what you like for your art. Uh, when you do something that is more rom-com or lighthearted based, yeah, you can go for a bit of a, uh, a lighter art style, save some money, save some movement. But when it's an action series, you, you really kind of need some higher quality animation. It's the same way as with a uh, live action superhero movie. Uh, you can get uh, what we've gotten the last few years with most of our Marvel stuff or uh, anything from the early 90s. It's... <laughs> Okay, that that that's a whole stretch. That's a that's not even a difference in money. That's a difference in mentality and approach. But still, it's like uh, you can do. Money doesn't always matter. Art style, uh, you, depending on how you use it, it'll work well. As one of my favorite series in the last few years has been. Uh, uh, oh man, why is the why is the name of it slipped my head? Uh, the ancient Magnus is. Uh, uh, wife Angel, yeah yeah Angel Magnus a bride, bride. was a bride uh very obviously you can tell with that series that uh, they were saving money on the animation budget but they used it wisely in the right places so you had a lot less movement here and there but the actual art was beautiful and where there need to be movement there need to be, be those beauty moments they used the money there um I'm not trying to judge Tower of God by the way I'm just I, I only really saw the trailers for it but I'm just saying, uh, just from watching the trailers for Tower of God versus being able to watch even the trailers to the full episode of uh, Gods of High School or God of High School, um, I just feel like the animation style, it, they really picked it up with God of High School and it, it shows and I really like the fact that they are going all out with it. So first episode of God of High School, what exactly are we getting? Uh, you're getting a Korean version of a Shonen Jump anime. So, typical Shonen stuff, there's going to be male protagonist, a couple of friends, and they're just going to keep on battling stronger and stronger enemies. That's what it appears like. In fact, it, it, it's, it's like a, the entire series is a tournament. They're trying to prove who is like the title of God of High School. Um, it starts off, the first episode is a battle royal to prove who's going to go to the, uh, to the first round of the actual tournament. So it starts off and you're already in the thick of it. Like, well, it's not like it opens up and like you're just in the middle of the battle. It's it kind of, a, it's a, the, they, the first introduction is actually of a character they don't name, they don't show their face and just show like how powerful they are, like they're being extorted. 
and somehow from long distance they're able to like mash down on the people extorting on them with like a, well, hand, like of a God. hand of Buddha sort of thing. Yeah, and just like crush them onto the uh, onto like this island or something like that, and the handprint is left there. so so that's like the opening but you don't even know who this is or what their power is or blah 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 and then it goes into this big thing about like oh there's this grand tournament and it's uh gonna prove the uh god of high school and it's gonna be all these high school kids from all around the world and they're gonna compete and the winner of this tournament will get a prize of anything they desire from uh from the organization which by the way is very similar to tower of god so I'm seeing that uh, Crunchyroll is going for themes here. Um, well, I mean, one could make the argument both of those are similar to even Darwin's game, which uh, came out earlier this year and was a lot more brutal. I, I actually didn't see that one. Uh, it's basically the same mentality. It is like an, a mobile game that uh, you either get invited to or you get suckered into. And it's a kill or be killed sort of thing where at the end you get you know, your wishes, uh, your greatest desire brought to you. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much just uh, battling to see who's the best. Everyone gets, like, a little special power, depending, and everyone's power is different. But uh, is it, I don't is, know. If is there, are there the any special thing? powers? Or is there any, like, disassociation of belief besides the, the hand palm coming down? Like, are we seeing so far, with, everything like, is just So far, everything we're seeing is really just martial arts based. They're not showing any superpowers beyond that. Uh, like they kind of do a, a quick focus on a few characters. There's three main characters, which is like this uh, older uh, teenager who's really just sort of like he's trying to get by and make money. Uh, a young uh, teenage girl who is very well skilled with a, a ken- like not a kendo stick, but like a wooden sword. And then like our very obvious protagonist who's wearing the headband like almost every other Shonen Jump protagonist has worn in the last few years and with literal stars in their eyes. Uh, he's supposed to be like almost like the Goku type guy. He even has Goku type hair, by the way. Um, and he's just like super skilled, a super skilled fighter who can like take on anyone and, and, and almost every strong fighter that fights him is like, you're pretty good. Uh yeah, say what you will about uh, originality in like topics and in plots and stories, but basically, if your dude ain't got spiky hair, he ain't shit. I wouldn't mess with him, dude. He's got protagonist hair. He 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 has some gel. You know that that's good. <laughs> but I will I will say this. Um, I kind of like the fact that uh, I I said this at the beginning. With uh, I like the fact that Crunchyroll is now trying to produce some more of these South Korean uh, pro- uh, properties. But if they're going to go for, keep going through the list of uh, great comics in Webtoons, I'm really, I'm just going to put it out to the universe. I really want to see a Sweet Home anime. I love that series. It is a, it's sort of like another zombie type comic, except instead of people turning into zombies, they turn into these grotesque, unstoppable monsters. And I would, it's, check it out right now. It is free, a free comic on Webtoons. But seriously, Crunchyroll, I want you guys to read it. And I want you to offer a deal, make that an anime. Okay, so it would be another uh, zombie-esque type of show. Yes. And, and there's more details to that. I didn't want to go into more because I don't know if I'll uh, spoil any plot points, but it's basically people, they're locked in a building. The rest of the world has gone to hell 
and they're trapped with a whole bunch of other people. And unlike like zombie flicks where like you get bit and you turn into a zombie, basically the people here are already like uh, infected. There's like this, these creatures have uh, infected all these people's bodies and they try to feed on everyone's like biggest desire and whatever their biggest desire is, it turns them into a monster based on that desire. So if you're a super fit uh, guy who likes strength training, you suddenly become this gigantic muscular monster. If you're someone who's been craving like a hamburger, you suddenly become someone who wants to eat everything. So it's kind of like a kill or kill sort of thing where like the uniform no. and how it beefs you up and it embodies no. who you are as a person. No, it's nothing like kill or kill. Nothing at all like Gil. I simply meant in the aspect of like once you actually become this brute, it's retrospectively who you are as a person. It's like it's you. But yeah, but it's not just physically; it's mentally too. Like you, you're no longer yourself. Once you transform into the monster, you lose all your previous self. You're just like one focus, and it's just your one desire, and that is your only focus. That sounds like when people become monsters from Super Sentai shows. <laughs> uh, a little bit, maybe. Um, but it, it's I love it, and I, I really want to see an anime of it. So, again, through that, throwing that out to the universe. Um, outside that, I, there was another show that came out. Uh, I, won't, I actually wish I kind of talked about this one first and uh, got a high school second because i don't have as nice of things to say about it uh well no no it's always better when you actually have more critique because you know uh, an angry jt is an entertaining jt i'm not angry though that's the problem it's like i didn't despise it i just didn't overly like it um it's called uh decadence and uh, you kind of when we spoke about this uh a few days ago um you kind of very you very accurately uh, nailed the show. It is a ripoff of Attack on Titan, and I'm I'm saying this as someone who hasn't really watched that much of Attack on Titan. It is so obviously a ripoff of Attack on Titan. There's um, a lot of similarities. I mean, I'm not going to say that the show is bad because of it. Uh, if anything, I think they do a lot of creative things that I wish Attack on Titan probably would have gone ahead and done. But it's hard not to draw a comparison, especially when you have something like you know, Attack on Titan that's lasted as many years as it has, by this time, you're going to get intimidate, you know, impersonators. You're going to get people that are going to want to fill the void, especially since if we do get Attack on Titan, uh, the final season this year, that's going to be it. But this feels, it, it definitely feels like, you know, how like Hollywood does, uh, something gets popular and it's like, we're going to make a clone of that. That's what this feels like. It just feels like a clone with no heart. Um, and, not, and not even just Attack on Titan. They mixed a few other things in there. You can see a little bit of blue gender. Uh, you can see a little bit of... Uh, what's that one about, like, everyone lives in a, a giant mecha that roams the Earth? The that, Mortal I, Engines series from Peter Jackson? Uh, actually, yeah, very similar to that. So, okay, well, there's that. But uh, I think you maybe also are thinking of um, maybe Darling and the Franks. No. Because they, they Dar- had the same idea where I, they all I, had like, yeah. their separate communities. No, I'm not thinking about Darling and the Franks. Um, I know what you're talking about. And it, it did pop in my head for a second, but that wasn't really 
There was another one out there, but I digress. Um, the one thing I, I just watching it, it wasn't bad. Like the characters are likable and uh, you can well, tell. Most of them are likable. And, and you can tell the plot and stuff like, like it has all the elements to be a great anime, but it has no heart. Um, most of what you get from the story is, uh, <sighs> words are escaping me today. I'm very tired. Well, um, it's, well, first of all, it's more of a shoujo than a shonen, at least. So it has a female protagonist. No, it's, yeah, it has a female protagonist. And that, but I mean, like the, the show just, it has exposition, just nothing but exposition. They don't really show a lot of stuff. The first episode is just explaining, like the like uh, beyond the flashback part of it. Once they go into uh, the main character uh, Natsume, I believe her name was, uh, they go into her classroom and then they just very quickly explain, oh, this person, this person, this person, this person, and this is what they do, and this is their job, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, you could have executed that in such a better way that would have been more interesting because I I don't remember most of the uh of the dialogue there i don't remember who these people are they never really showed it in great detail um and they move so quickly with a lot of it like the the beginning flashback was to try to explain like oh no this main character she lost her father but they don't really show her losing her father uh and even some of the stuff there was weird like uh she snuck out she lo- the the main character loses her hand and this flashback shows how she lost her hand. And after she loses her hand, her father's like, how are you doing? And she's just smiling like, I'm okay. Like, it's just, it's just, it's not well executed. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I think there was a lot of potential here, but it's, it's like being told in the sloppiest of ways. Well, I will say this. It's obviously, if it's going to be anything like a, an Attack on Titan clone, it is certainly more of a PG Attack on Titan clone. Uh, this almost feels like it's on the verge of being a, a Gurren Lagann sort of feel to it in regards to no. how some of the characters interact with each other. Uh, Gurren Lagann had heart. Gurren Lagann uh, was a show that was really about <sighs> like the, the stylish and how, it, how they interacted. This one, it's like, it, the, I can't really explain it any more than that. Like even the way they react to each other is just, it's they're they're bland. I didn't mean that. that I didn't mean that they had heart. I'm simply saying that if you look at Gorilla and you look at how they act and how the animation for them is a little bit more extreme in some cases and almost cartoony, you get that with some of these characters. So. It's not like an Attack on Titan where everyone is going to be like, you know, super seriously drawn or anything like that. That's why I'm saying this is like a toned down version of that kind of mentality, of that kind of plot device. So especially even when you look at how the the, the creatures, these aliens, whatever they are, and how they are killed, instead of the whole, you know, slice in the back of the neck thing, instead they're taking hollow tubes, plunging it into them, and green stuff is splurting out of the tubes and then retroactively being sucked up into these like proton packs that are on the back of the you know attackers and it's just like that that that's that's where you wanted to go that that's what that's how you wanted to destroy these things by essentially sucking out the juice a la killer clowns from outer space 
Well, it's, they, it's they again, that's one of the things that it'll fly by if you don't catch it in the exposition. Uh, they explain that they need their blood to fuel like their ship and everything. That's right, why they're sucking. Right, but it'd be one thing if they went and just like captured the creatures and just like brought them onto the mobile town ship, whatever it is. It's another thing to just go ahead and like drain them on the spot with all like the green blood spewing all over the place. It's it's like if it if it had stuck to Attack on Titan mentality and then say that blood was red, it would be so much more of a gruesome way that they could probably go ahead and go about it. But this just seems kind of like childish in a sense. I feel like again, it's it's something created by a studio that feels like it was created by a studio. It's like I guess they were like, we want to play it safe. We don't want it to be too dangerous. Blah blah blah. People die, but you don't really see it too often, uh, or at least you don't get a good visual of it. Um, and then, spoiler wise, and this is just for the end of this particular episode, we see that the the mobile town or city or whatever it almost uh, mechanizes. And you think, oh, okay, this is going to turn into like a, a robot or a mecha or a you know, big gun or something. No, <laughs> we, we get a giant punching fist. Like it was from something from the Joker. Like what the it, fuck, it, man? It reminded me of, uh, just to be a little ironic here, uh, no pun intended, it reminded me a lot of Big O, the anime. And uh, it just, because you remember like his finishing move was just like, I'm going to hold my hand right here. A giant jackhammer is going to fly out the back and then move forward. So I get this really strong punch. It, it was just this big thing. It's like, take off, boom. Like it, like, it was actually more like a, you know, like the, the string on a paddle ball thing. I forget what it's yeah, called. Yeah, it was more like a piston at best. Yeah, it was just like, boom, and hit it and then pull it back. It's just like, eh. First of all, don't denounce Big O like that. <laughs> Big O had a head laser, okay? He had other weapons. But what was his finishing? What, how did he finish every monster in every episode? How did any of those things finish? Any, whether it was Big Door or any of the it other It was mechas, with a giant punch. Big punches. The right answer was a giant punch. And it wasn't Look, just they, like they a, pummeled, I'm right? going to punch it really hard. It mechas. was, I'm going to have this thing come out of my arm and just fling my hand forward because I can't just move it forward on my own. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He's not going to take his red tiara and like throw it around like a Sailor Moon shit. Look. It would have been more impressive if he did. Leave Big O alone. <laughs> Man, my namesake. But, I love yeah, Roger so, Smith. All right, leave him alone. But in terms of the show, uh, I steal a line from uh, Jim Ross, this steak has no sizzle. It's not a bad series, but it's, it's not holding my attention. I don't know if I'd go for it with it. So in retrospect, you'll probably continue to watch God of High School, but Decadence you might leave to the wayside. Yes. And again, it's, I, I am not saying it's like the worst anime of all time. I'm just, it's boring. The end. <laughs> well, then you're really going to hate the ones I watched. Oh, what did you watch? Um, well, in respect to some of the uh, lighter hearted fare that I watched on some of the shows there, uh, there were two shows that came up on Crunchyroll that I wanted to check out. And uh, one's a little bit more of a slice of life sort of feel to it. It's called uh, Rent a Girlfriend. Uh, and basically, it's just about this uh, 20-year-old college kid named Katia who rents a girlfriend. He's inept in dating. All right? He finally got a girlfriend after so many years. Uh, they've kissed once, and after a month, they broke up. So 
he's pretty much despondent. He doesn't know what to do. He thinks, you know, love is dead. No reason to date anymore. So he's like, I see a promotion for renting a girlfriend and just wanted to see what a date would be like. And so he goes ahead, uh, picks up this uh, one girl of her name escapes me at the moment. Uh, what was it? I gotta um, say though, you're selling this anime better to me than Crunchyroll did. Uh, Chizuru, Mizuharu Chizuru, uh, and apparently she's like gold star material as far as like all the girls on the site. Now, now, mind you, you and I would look at something like this and be like, "Oh, she's an escort." Yes, obviously, younger people—they're not gonna necessarily have that mentality. Although, actually, after the first date, he goes ahead, checks reviews, and sees, oh, well, okay, the stuff she did with me is the stuff she does with all the guys. So, he goes ahead and rents her again, just to kind of bitch her out about it. And (laughs) then they start arguing. It's like, this is my job. It's like, well, I don't care. I feel bad. You're just doing it to all the other guys. Blah, 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 blah. And through a series of events, people are now mistaking both of them as being an actual couple. So it's one of those things where throughout the series, I guess you're going to be like, will they keep in contact? Will they need to be seeing each other out of necessity? Will money be passing hands left and right? And of course, there are other women to come into play. There is definitely an ex-girlfriend that may be a little wishy-washy. But it was just, it was funny uh, just seeing how they interacted with each other. Plus, as a guy who has had that experience in college where you go ahead and you dated somebody and then they just broke up with you out of the blue, not exactly the greatest. So I felt for Kazia. I did. that when, when that boy was crying, I was like, that was me one bad night in college. I can tell you right now, I've had that experience. So it's one of those things where I feel like it's one of those shows that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to. Uh, definitely uh, the kind of people that probably watch etchy and harem type anime, they're going to look at Kazi and be like, that's me, man. That was me. <laughs> that is me. That's going to be me in two years when I'm old enough to actually go to college. So uh, as I was, kind of, I was saying before, I think you sold it to me a lot better than Crunchyroll did because Crunchyroll was sort of like the opening you said there, like, uh Kazuya gets a girlfriend they kiss the first time and then they uh break up suddenly and uh he shows up somewhere and a girl whispers in his, his ear like uh, you want to be mine or something like that and i'm just like eh, seems a little creepy i think you sold it better as a uh, a slice of life light-hearted comedy than i think that series did and i'm actually now more interested to see this now that i've listened to you talk about it well, then you're really going to love the other anime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, this one's definitely not Slice of Life, but it's certainly um, dating-oriented. It's, uh, it's not a full uh, anime series, because you've, you've noticed probably a lot of anime series now are kind of like going the shorties route, uh, where they're doing like the 12-minute oh, episodes. episodes sort of things. Yeah. Kind of like in the same way like how we got that with Adult Swim, with... Uh, you know, robot chicken and stuff like that. I've seen more and more that anime is starting to incorporate those kinds of series as well. Like Aoi Chan uh, can't study, like exactly. twelve episodes, or yeah. uh, you know, what are you doing here, teacher, or whatever that one was. Yeah, I didn't uh, watch that one. 
Yeah, no, 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 we're not going to that one. Um, but this one is called uh, Peter Grill and the Philosopher's Time. Now, essentially, set in a fantasy world, um, they just ended up having a tournament for, like, the strongest fighter in the world. And for the first time in, like, years, a human wins it, Peter Grill. Um, basic blonde-haired, blue-eyed kind of protagonist kind of guy, you know, thinks... Um, Siegfried or Siegfeld uh, from the Soul Calibur series, you know, that kind of guy. So he's going off and he's going to go ahead and find his girlfriend who he's been in a long-term relationship with, but out of respect, they haven't done anything but hold hands. However, because of his win in the tournament, he is now the most sought after man in the country. So women of all different species and <laughs> um, boob physicists are going physicus. to now Wait, wait, go wait, wait, him. wait. We got to go. What word was that? Boob physicus? Boob physicusness. <laughs> I think you invented a word there, sir. Well, they invented a genre. <laughs> Essentially, everyone is going to be after Peter for his... Um, uh his uh we know stuff. what they're going after yeah <laughs> it's not like a romance sort of thing so it's not like they're in love with peter like we see in other etchy kind of shows where you, you will know, make all a these great women are around him because they love him and they want to be the one that ends up with him not the case these women are simply after him for his manhood for his juice so this way they can produce offspring yes <laughs> and yet he is still trying to be respectful and loyal to his girl <laughs> now whether or not that ends up successful that is a different story and I think that will be the story throughout the series but in the first episode alone in a tight 11-12 minute episode I haven't laughed that much at an anime in like the whole last year so if nothing else it may be risque it may be crude but it is funny. I guarantee you it is funny. If you do not have a chuckle, a chuckle in like that 12-minute range, I don't know what's going to do it for you. Well, I'll check it out, and I'll see if I can get a chuckle out of it myself. Um, yeah, it's in 12 minutes. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's enough time to invest in something like that. So, yeah, I think, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think it's better that they go ahead and go with that kind of material on the shorter scale because we've seen series where, you know, etchy, harem, all that sort of stuff, and you get, like, the full half-hour episode, 26-episode season. It's like, yeah, the, the effect has waned a little. So I think if you keep it down to, like, a 12, like uh, Interspecies Reviewer was, or if you keep it even to this more of a shorter set, it works. It works a lot better. Did they even finish Interspecies Reviewer? Yes, it did run its uh, 12 or 13 episode run. I don't know where you could watch it, but... I heard Pornhub tried to get it, but that's about it. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily blame them, because then I could imagine the amount of traffic that would be going there, because really, it's not that bad of material. I've known people from Australia that were able to watch it and it's not as risque as people make it out to be. And I think that's the whole stigma of anime in, in, in general. People always think that it's all about like, you know, big boobed women and tentacle monsters. And really that's not the case. It's a bad stigma that 
shows like this get that they pretty much just use sexuality more for the humor aspect than for anything that we would probably get in our cinemas. Well, it's, it, it was definitely an etchy, but it was like a well-produced with a well-told story etchy, which you don't get very often. Yes, true. Uh, there's plenty of etchies that pretty much run the same gambit of like, okay, there's one male protagonist and at least three or four different girls, and they're all in compromising positions at some point throughout the series. Mm-hmm. We get it. At some point, there's a demon lord around. Maybe he has to be defeated. I don't know. I don't think such is going to be the case with this. This is just going to be laying completely on the humor of whether or not Peter Grill will be able to go ahead and keep his uh, manhood safe or if he's going to just <laughs> simply give into temptation and be caught in a lot of awkward positions. Just get a jar and uh, sell it for profit. You would think that would be the <laughs> easy thing to do, but apparently he's too moral for that. Like, he's actually an upstanding guy for the most part. Uh, I'm not going to get into why he's not. I'm, uh, I think I will be watching this. I will catch this at a later date. Um, <laughs> so anime has kind of been able to restart production, which has been great. Um, but, you know, we've, uh, we're still having a little trouble here at home with getting some of our live action productions back up. But one production actually has tried recently, and it's uh, kind of an interesting story. Yes. So while we have seen things like uh, Jurassic Park Dominion trying to get back up and running over in England, uh, we've seen uh, reports of Matt Reeves' Batman trying to get back on going, even the whole thing with the Christopher Nolan can't sit down thing, uh, because that was news. But um, it turns out there were some people that actually went ahead and produced, filmed, and finished filming an actual movie just within the last month. Really? So completely during the pandemic era. And uh, that would actually be the new film Malcolm and Marie, uh, which looks to be uh, produced by uh, Sam Levinson, who um, is also having uh, to do with uh, the show Euphoria on HBO. Because of that, he got uh, Zendaya of Spider-Man fame to go ahead and star in it, along with John David Washington from uh, Black Klansman and Tenant, which... I'm glad that he's actually getting some movie work in because Lord knows tenants never coming out anytime soon. So <laughs> at least this is something he can do in the meantime, rather than go on the press junkets. Uh, I did a little bit of reading up from uh, an article you had actually sent me. And uh, it is, it is actually very interesting how they kind of went about that. Not so much probably the story because it's from what one person told me, it, uh, it follows a lot of the same beats as a uh, marriage story. And it, and, I, I'm not too surprised because they said that uh, he started writing it almost immediately after finding that uh, Euphoria was going on hiatus. And uh, I think he only wrote it like in a few days. But everything else about this, like they followed complete uh, DGA, SAG, and every other major rule out there in the, the COVID world to keep everyone safe. And it's just amazing. Like it, it's it seems like it was done on such a small budget with such a small crew and all the additional work they had to do to make sure that they fell in the guidelines and kept everyone safe on safe on the production set, even down to the location that they used. Yes. The location itself was actually just a little remote house. I believe uh, where exactly was it located? Uh, what is saying California, which, you know, obvious, yes. but um yeah, and but, you're right. The story does kind of look like a little bit of a marriage story, generic sort of relationship thing, but it does play into a lot of the stuff that people 
are experiencing right now with the pandemic. So more than likely, I'm guessing Malcolm and Marie are probably going to be shut in for quite some time. And we're going to have to unsee like this uh, marriage unraveling because they're just around each other so much. But sticking on the production a little bit, uh, some of the other interesting things here, the reason they had kind of chose that house and it just kind of fell in their lap from my understanding is uh, it has breathable windows on it. And I, I've, I th- I've heard of material like this before, like a company that I work for actually, I believe just built a building with similar material. Um, so a lot of it was designed to be a little more breathable, a little more safe to actually work in so that uh, like you weren't in a confined space. And uh, I'm wondering if, if other studios are going to take note of similar uh, technology in order to like shoot in certain areas or if this only really worked in this scenario because of the location they needed. Right. I mean, the house itself, it looks beautiful. If you actually go, uh, the place itself is uh, the Caterpillar House, Feldman Architecture's Caterpillar House. So it's kind of a concept house. No one actually lives there. It's pretty much just something that they wanted, had to develop because they wanted to, you know, test out the technology of a place that doesn't really need a lot of uh, AC or heating unit or anything. The glass itself allows for just perfect temperature, perfect environment inside the place, which... Really, you and I both know that we can just get pissed off if like an air conditioner or refrigerator (laughs) motor is running for too long. So for this to be kind of like more self-sustaining, that's outrageous. Yeah, and you know, uh, again, I I don't mention where I work, but uh, luckily it's it's a company that can afford certain technologies. And we've actually been investing in all these different technologies, including... uh, a material that they've been wrapping around the doors in certain areas that are self-cleaning. So if you touch it, like it, within a certain period of time, it can kill any germs on the surface. Is there nanobots? Uh, actually, yes. It's a uh, nanotechnology. Nice, awesome. <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think it's actual nanobots like you're thinking from sci-fi. But there is nanotechnology built into it that is self-cleaning. Oh. So I'm wondering, (laughs) but I'm wondering if like films are going to start looking for technologies like this in order to continue. I guess any job or any business would, but Hollywood's the one with the money. This goes right back to what I was talking about last week with the whole uh, Erica, the the robot actor. We've got robot actors. We got robot houses now that are self-cleaning and allow for temperature. They're taking over, man. They're not taking over. You're still going to have over. a job. I, All I know, Skynet released COVID. I don't know. Some <laughs> conspiracy theorist online probably has that already written. But I don't know, but I'm thinking it. It was all a plan by Erica to get her first starring role. Hey, fake it till you make it. <laughs> but I, the other thing about this location is that it's also got like a nice little 33 acres all to itself. So... All the actors were able to be separated from one another. All the crew, uh, catering, everything was able to have the proper distancing needed. I heard something I about like they all had a bubble that they could stay in uh, the protect themselves. Yeah, I, I, the, my problem with that is that I don't know how many locations are going to necessarily be able to offer up that kind of space for an extended period of time. Right, and that, that's what I was kind of saying before. Like, this environment kind of worked for the movie they were doing, but uh, can you really do that for every production? Because some of them, you need more closed spaces or to be in certain areas. 
or is almost every movie going forward going to be some form of green screen or CG technology to make up for the fact that they can't be in certain locations next to each other anymore? See, I would almost question whether or not they could do that because if you're going to do stuff on a green screen, that means you got a lot of people crammed into a studio. Not, so, not particularly because a studio space, a set can actually be gigantic. And then you see how they do it with restaurants now where it's like they maintain the same size space, but they limit the occupancy. Uh, uh, wow, I can't say that word. Um, they limit them. I'm going to be Porky Pig uh, They're limiting the amount of people that can actually be in the building. Okay. So I'm wondering if they're doing that with the set as well, where they'll have they'll have the same amount of space but they'll just be less people there and take advantage of being so far apart from each other they put them in a giant green screen room by themselves and do what they need to do and then kind of put the pieces together later well yeah i mean even for this production that we're talking about i think it says that uh, there were no more than 12 people on set at any given moment so now if you're taking away two of those people for being malcolm and marie that's your actors uh, take away one for the director, take away one for the cameraman, take away one for the lighting, take away one for the audio. At best, I mean, you're, you're almost talking like, uh, you know, indie film. This is, this is the kind of stuff you and I would do here in Jersey, where it's like you scrounge together whoever you can and you make the best of it. Well, even uh, from the, uh, again, the, I keep referring to the article you sent me and I don't even remember what the article is from, but... Uh, as the report itself that, is from Deadline and also Deadline. incorporated with the Hollywood Reporter. So uh, one of the things that they had mentioned there is that, it, it, like you were saying, it was a very small crew and that the, the EP there was pretty much doing like half the work, filling in gaps here and there as needed. So yeah, yeah you it, it was... You whether it, or not these people had, were like doing that even in their early parts of their career because that's pretty much just what we do. Like us in like this little independent film hub of jersey you almost have to know how to do everything if you want to make anything happen in this state i think uh that goes that line can be used for almost any type of business right now because they try to get more and more people to do uh, less and less people to do more and more and maybe that'll be the thing on uh, films going forward and they'll use COVID-19 is sort of an excuse, like, oh, well, we can't afford all these crews. We can't have all these people you demand. And this is how they'll start working around stuff like unions and such, saying, oh, well, we can't hire these people because there's just, we can't have these people on set. It's very possible. I mean, you look at the, the listing that they have for everything that was going on, whether down to the cameras, the sound, the grips, uh, the bathroom situation, <laughs> like everything was chalked down to the nuance. So it's very possible this could thing could end up being the blueprint for films going forward, just to make sure that you have this little checklist of everything that you have to look through in order to make sure that all the guidelines are met, everyone's safe, and that the film still comes off. Now, we don't even know if this film's going to necessarily be any good. And I don't know if I noticed, did they give a release date for the film? I did not see one. That's not to say that they didn't give one. It's just I didn't notice it. Right. Uh, just give me one sec. I'll probably be able to see if they have anything on IMDb about it because I'm sure by now they probably do since it came out uh, just this past week in the news. So let's see. My my thing, though, is this. I'm like, uh, as probably seen on this podcast, I, I'm someone of a bit of a moderate thought where I look at some of the business end, but then I look at very much the people end, too. 
And I'm, I'm still kind of torn about, you know, trying to force productions to start. I, I understand the fact that like, yay, uh, for the artists, they want to get out there. They want to start working again. They want to interact with other people. For the business people, they want money. Um, but I, I just feel like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be trying to force all this stuff to happen. Like, give it some more time. Let things calm down a little bit more. Let it become a little safer. Because look at all the hoops that you have to w- run through just to get this to work. Yes, we can do it. We, we, I know we were able to prove that we could do this. But this is just so excessive just to make what essentially you just described as an independent film. We can make this stuff, but, you know, you and I, we can't uh, do a COVID testing on someone every day. We can't. Eh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you disagree with me or not. I just I think this is just unnecessary. I mean, I admire the experimentational spirit of going ahead and seeing whether or not it can be done. And like, you're right. Uh, we can do it. It's like the, the song from the producers. You know, and just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Right. But I'm thinking if someone has to go ahead and be like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll take the pill. I'll take, I'll be the experiment. I'll be the guinea pig. Then fine. Let's just have this be uh, the one and one and see how it works out. Now, as of right now on IMDb, it does not specify a release date. It does say that the film is in post-production. This is updated as of July 9th. So hopefully we will probably see something about this within the next month or so. Who knows if it's any good uh, considering the talent involved, this may just be a sleeper sneaky little hit that will go into Oscar contention. They, uh, they have the advantage that there's not much else out there to, to go by right now. So. I mean, stranger things have happened. We know that. Oh, that reminds me. Stranger Things are good. I guess that's delayed too. Um, <laughs> Side note: more things are delayed. All right. So, uh, anything to add on this topic? Um, just that I'm really going to be surprised if anyone else attempts to do something like this. I think even Hollywood itself is kind of waiting with bated breath to see whether or not this has turned into something worthwhile. Or if it was just, you know, a flight of fancy by Levinson. So it's going to be very, very... This might be one of the most anticipated films of 2020. So, I mean, just for the namesake of that alone, I'd say it was worth them going ahead and giving it a shot. Hopefully it's not too much of a trend and things aren't necessarily rushed like you want. But kudos to them for even going ahead and getting something out there when everything in the industry has been relatively slow. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get ready. It's time to get set. It's time to get animated with JT. This week's episode. Thank you. (laughs) On this week's episode of, uh, of getting animated with JT. We're going to be talking about gamers. This is an anime that actually came out in 2017 and is currently on Crunchyroll. Um, basically, as you kind of heard from the beginning of the show, uh, we were talking a little bit about summer 2020 anime and I had uh, the fortune of watching last night, uh, God of high school. And then when it was over, I was kind of trying to find something new and I just ran across this. Um, Basically, to give you a quick overview of the show, it is a uh, a lot 
love uh, rom show or was it a com rom rom com rom com yes rom com uh and uh, i know if you if you're watching like the video of me you ever seen a picture of me i'm a guy with a scruffy beard and stuff like that i don't look like the someone who would be watching that stuff but very, very do, biker yes i do once in a while really get into these things i like some lighthearted that i can just jump into and kind of shut my brain off on um and this was a kind of a cool one uh not the greatest in the world uh there, there's it. It could have been a slight bit better, but it was definitely something that uh, pulled my attention for a bit. Uh, the the story is about has the best way to describe this. I guess the quick uh, overview is a five way love triangle, which is not a triangle. That's a pentagon. Yeah, five way uh, pentagon. <laughs> it's a five way pentagon. Yes. Uh, it's a very demonic show. Good. Yes. <laughs> no, no, it's pentagram. Pentagons different. Yes. Anyway. Uh, so it starts off with a, uh, the very generic plot of a gamer who has no friends and he doesn't get, he does, he's an introvert. He doesn't talk to people. He just likes playing his video games. So a gamer. Yes. And the most (laughs) popular person in school, like the, the highest girl in school, the one everyone wants to date and be with, uh, she is, turns out to be a, uh, gamer herself and is a part of the gaming club at the school which you would think would be a big plot point but doesn't become one for whatever reason um and this character for whatever reason falls madly in love with the main character of uh i'll try to remember names in this point uh the the gamer geek is kenta and this girl unfortunately in the day's environment didn't get the best name in the world she's karen um <laughs> and i hate to say it like she's a very very nice sweet character but she does seem like a karen <laughs> uh oh god <laughs> now, now hold on hold on is it spelled like karen yes. like the american karen or is K-A-R-E-N. it like k-a-r-e-n it with the so yes, wow. K A it like uh no most of the time when she's brought up in the subtitles she's referred to by her last name Tendo, but she's Karen Tendo. Right. <laughs> she's well, Karen I mean Ten- that that's just how you know. I just realized that sounds like Nintendo. I wonder if they did that on purpose. Uh, well, what's anyway. the uh, what's Kenta's last name? Uh, Amarno. Uh no, Aramo, Arano. Yeah, I'm bad at pronouncing stuff sometimes. That's why I don't like. That's why I shouldn't be a producer of a segment. I I suck with pronunciations. Shouldn't be a voice actor either or a voiceover person. Uh, anyway, uh, so it kind of goes into this geek who is now just he he's the main character, but he doesn't really do a lot. A lot of the other characters have more of the heavy lifting here. Uh, Karen is the popular girl who falls in love with this guy. Uh, and then at the same time, he makes a big scene because he's an idiot that leads to another character by the name of uh, uh, Tasuku uh, getting into it and talking to him, which then has him lead to another girl he tries to get this guy in with. And it just goes all over the place. You know, it's it's like I said before, it's a love uh, pentagram here or no pentagon. Now I'm now I'm confused on which word I need to use there. Pentagon is a shape. Yeah, Pentagon. All right, so yeah, I, I was right the first time. I, all right, so I was right with the Pentagon before. 
Uh, I know I'm, poor, I'm explaining this very poorly here, but it's, it's again, if you have Crunchyroll or Verve, it is on there right now. It is, you can judge it for yourself. I found it kind of hilarious. Uh, it's, it's bad, but it's a good bad. And then some other stuff pops up later on, like the fact that one of the characters has, a, they don't say it straight out, but very obvious. It's a, a, a lesbian character who is trying to hide the fact that she's a lesbian. So it's like, she's trying to watch porn on her sister's computer, but trying to hide the fact that she's doing it. And you were concerned about me and Peter grill. Wow. So I think that's as dirty as really it kind of gets with this show though. Um, Well, I I have questions. I have questions. So now that title gamers, the fact that Mm -hmm. they're in a gaming club, uh, is there a lot of video game reference in the show? Uh, to actual video games? No. The only real reference is the fact that all of them are video gamers. Uh, Karen is a gamer, and she loves gaming, but she's also a super competitive person. So her whole thing with gaming is being able to win. Uh, the main character of Kenta, he also loves video games, but he just enjoys playing them, winning or losing. It doesn't really matter to him. He just enjoys playing the games. Uh, so it's not like High Score Girl, where there's actual no, like, Street Fighter no and stuff like that. I don't even think they reference real video games. I think they make up video games in there, but they make them look real. So you, they seem like something you would actually play in real life. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and some other characters just name uh, Tetsuku, which is uh, sort of like this uh, super nerd in high school, but then he remakes himself for high school to make himself look really cool. But he's a really a, a, a video gamer at heart. So he relates a lot to these people. His girlfriend, uh, Agri, uh, who, wow, I'm butchering these names, uh, who's kind of not so much in the video game, but she's super in love with Tatsuku. And then uh, Chiaki. <laughs> wow, I butchered that one. I know I butchered that one. Uh, one, one day, we're just going to do an episode where we have you like read down the character list of like, bleach or something something where it's a guy like 50 plus characters and i am just going to laugh periodically based upon your pronunciations there's, I, there's I a reason i don't do let's plays i tried to do a uh, star fox 2 let's play a long while back and i butchered almost every word of dialogue said between the characters i'm like for yeah, star fox I'm star fox 2 but what, what's the majority of the dialogue? Do a barrel roll? I mean, come on. There, there was a big story thing. Like, have you ever played Star Fox 2? It was the one that was released on the SNES Classic. I've, I've seen clips. I, know, I only played the original. They, they, it did have quite a bit of dialogue to explain the story, which I butchered. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So I can't really get into it any more than that. I'm just, it's, it's a basic rom-com anime with a, a really goofy main character who... Honestly, you want to punch in the face most of the time, but luckily, he's not always the main focus. Well, um, to be fair, that's like most etchies, most harem type, or you know, like what you're talking about with like the multiple love interests. Usually, the main guy is bland as a piece of toast. Yes. the The only thing I'll say here that uh, I'm a little disappointed in. I didn't watch the whole series last night. I literally I started watching this last night. Like I said, I was up till four o'clock in the morning watching it, and I just finally decided like it's time to go to bed. Um, I gotta say, like, I don't know, like, it comes down to two characters who are going to be the main love interest 
of uh, of the main character and i honestly i'm rooting for both of them so i feel like whoever is not gonna win out in the end i feel kind of bad for oh that's like my teen romantic comedy snafu which is also just premiering its final season and that's pretty much the way it's come down to it's like you don't know which girl the guy's gonna pick but you kind of don't hate either of them like you want them if there was a way that you could have like a, a thruple then that would be <laughs> fine look it's the first uh polyogamous uh couple in anime oh i'm sure there's gotta be at least one other there, there's gotta be some anime where it's like okay we can both share him and they actually agree to it rather than there be a final episode with a conclusion tenchi mayo maybe but i don't see tenchi's always messed me up a little bit because tenchi was actually a decent protagonist a decent uh shonen character even you know he he had something to him most of these guys that are in these scenarios are just they're a guy that's it i, I prefer it if the guy at least had like a, a special ability or a power or something that made them dynamic amongst other people in the universe but half the time the guy is just a basic ass guy compared to the females around him yep and this this anime is really no different and it frustrates me at times because they're trying to make them likable but they're failing at so badly like they're making them unique so they could uh you know how a lot of anime these days they they know like oh wait, you know the tropes so we're gonna kind of turn it on its head to the fact that uh flipping tropes has become a trope so this character is all over the place with his ideals and stuff. So it'll be like this really annoying ideal, but then they'll say something that'll clear it up, and everyone is like, "I can understand that. Good job, uh, uh, main protagonist." But then I'm listening to it. And I'm like, actually, everything he just said is complete bullshit. I'll go along with it for the story's sake, but no. Yeah, at that point, I'm looking for the fan service. It's like you gotta give me something to keep me interested. Otherwise, I just do not give a shit. Uh, but and I know that may sound very chauvinistic of me, but look, <laughs> no, no good series, no good franchise, no good product should have a protagonist that is dull. You, you are absolutely correct. But I don't know. Uh, like, a, like, sort of like what I was talking about before with uh, decadence. It sometimes uh, they they kind of throw stuff out there without putting uh, the full thought into it. And like I said, I like this one. But, yeah, you can obviously see the flaws. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll stick with my, uh, you know. Your, uh, your guy dating prostitutes? It's one person, <laughs> and they're not a prostitute. They haven't had sex. Okay, escort. Yes, that's better. <laughs> not by much. Uh, <laughs> you know, just, what, why you got to be so mean? You know, he's a 20 year old guy he's just trying to live he's trying to find love for 9.99 oh it was a lot more than 9.99 i like i don't know the conversion rate but it was quite a bit of yen so yeah that that's that's it for getting animated and uh check it out well if i have the time amongst the eight or nine anime that i'm going to be watching this season because of all the stuff that's compiling if I get around to it, I will certainly check it out, even though the guy sounds as fun as a box of rocks. <laughs> but what does sound uh, more fun than that is what's going on in cinema. It is time to get to Big O's 3 to see the past, present, and future of everything cinema-oriented. 
starting off today, I got to talk about Halloween Kills. Now, we were supposed to be getting this sequel later on this October. However, uh, due to some uh, news that we got this week, it is being pushed back to 2021. Another victim of the pandemic. However, as opposed to other movies that have been pushed back to next year, we have been fortunate enough to actually get a brief teaser clip of the sequel to coincide with this announcement. And if you go on YouTube and you go ahead and you search for it, you will see they pretty much tell you how Michael Myers is going to end up surviving from the end of Halloween, which is like, dude, like we, we, we kind of expected it to come by, but it's still interesting because it comes right after the end of the movie. It's like almost seconds after the end of the movie where you see this. And I think it's a brilliant move to actually show there's still a sense of like fear and loathing and, you know, and, and an air in the, the, everything that's going on and just this small little clip. Did you get to see it? No. So let me give you the basic. At the end of Halloween, which did you see Halloween at all? No. God, God damn it. All right. <laughs> so at the end of Halloween, the, the Strode ladies, uh, you know, Carrie Strode, her daughter, and the daughter's daughter, um, they pretty much have Michael Myers locked in the basement of her house, and they set the damn thing on fire, pretty much burning him in this, you know, cataclysm of fire as they end up getting in the back of a truck and driving away, uh, distraught, uh, changed forever by the events of Michael Myers trying to kill them. The teaser clip pretty much comes up just as they're still in the truck going down the road. You see the house all aflame and then coming in the opposite direction, fire trucks, ambulances, police cars, they're all going to the house to stop the fire that is hopefully going to consume Michael Myers, but obviously not. And in the back of the truck, you are seeing, uh, you know, Laurie Strode just saying, let it burn, let it burn. Just pretty much going frantic because she knows if they go there, they stop that fire. He's still around. That is how traumatized she is. That's how all of them are traumatized by the events of the movie. And I think it gives a lot of emotional depth and a nice little lead up, making you almost wonder, I don't want to wait to next year. I want to see it now, but damn it. I, I really want to see what they do next year with this now. I don't know if it's, it might just be me, but I have not really held much interest in the Halloween franchise in a very long time. And what I've kind of seen with it the last few years has been, here's a reboot, and now the sequel's going to fall flat on its face. Here's another reboot, and the sequel's once again going to fall flat on its face. So we just did this Halloween reboot, our third one now in the last 20 years or so. And uh, I, I didn't get to see it, but I didn't hear the best of reviews for it. And now all of a sudden you're going to do another sequel immediately on it. Now you sound very excited, but I don't know. I can't get into this. Look, admittedly the, what was it? I think it was 2017 uh, reboot of Halloween. It had its flaws. 
It was very paint by numbers. It was what you would expect from a slasher film, especially one in the Halloween canon. And especially considering that this is supposed to be essentially taking place only after the first two original movies, which means so many other movies in the franchise are just like, forget about it. Like they've uh, retconned the whole thing a la uh, Terminator. But there is something to be said about uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and her performance in this movie. There is something to be said about actually continuing on not just with the legacy of Michael Myers and himself, but continuing on with the Strode family and their legacy and their interaction with everything. It makes it a little bit more connected, a little bit more grounded rather than Michael Myers just going from house to house to person to person, killing and killing and killing needlessly. There is now still more of a vendetta, still more of a, a, a very fine connection between Myers and Strode. And so to see that this is just going to pick up right afterwards, not years down the line, not, you know, once uh, the daughter is old enough or the granddaughter is old enough to be her own woman, that they're just going to keep on with this. Like, he is unrelenting. There but is the something time, to be said about that. he's supposed to be this 70-year-old man now who's not supposed to be supernatural. He's supposed to be a regular human being. And he somehow still, like, has so much adrenaline in him that he's able to go through all this stuff. Right. Like, I mean, regardless like he's of 70. Like, he's COVID could kill Michael Myers at this point. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. We, we've seen so many people try to kill Michael Myers, but the fact that they're still keeping it to the original Strode storyline, it shows that there is just something malevolent about him. It doesn't necessarily need to be supernatural. It just needs to be the dark specter in the back of your, you know, their hindsight. It's just the entity of fear that he incorporates. There's something about Michael Myers that once you take away all the goofy sequels, there is a great deal of menace about him and just humanity in general. So there is something to like about this new reboot. I think that Halloween is a story that should have probably stayed and just its original 1977 film. Because, you know, to this day, people still just go straight back to that film because it's a classic. You don't, all these sequels are just kind of money grabs, in my opinion. I think it, I don't think there should be any more sequels to Halloween. I think it should be left alone and to stand on what it was. So you won't be seeing the film next year? Did I see the the last one? (laughs) Okay, fair. But it's still, even if it's just for like the particular season it's in, you can't deny that there's a Halloween is a staple of horror. And so I at least think that what they're doing with these couple of movies now, it's better than what they were doing back in the eighties. It's better than what they did with, you know, Buster Rhymes and, uh, you know, Halloween H2O. It's definitely better than the Rob Zombie version. So I'm still willing to see where exactly it goes from here. How much are they going to really stretch this out or if they're going to just keep it confined to these two films? I guess time will tell. Yes, it will, which will unfortunately be a whole year plus before we see anything about it. Now, something that we will be probably seeing a little bit sooner is uh, Matt Reeves' Batman, which, of course, we had talked uh, at times on this show. And now, there is so much hype for this film that DC is actually going the uh, Marvel route, and they are going to be creating a television show that is going to be in cooperation with the Batman movie. And this is essentially going to be a Gotham PD television series. 
Now, <laughs> now here's the thing. <laughs> Defund the Gotham PD. Gotham Def- a little while ago. Defund the Gotham PD. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, not, not only is it kind of like a little ill time that there's going to be a pro television show about police officers in this environment that we're in. I'm calling it now. They're going Agents of Shield with this. And I'm calling this it now. I think that I think they're going to cancel this. I don't even think it's going to get off the ground. I mean, from what I can see here, um, from a Variety, uh, it, Gotham PD will continue the Batman's exploration of the corruption in Bruce Wayne's home city, um, and I guess it's probably going to be a lot more grounded than the Gotham that we originally got on Fox television, which was kind of like before Batman, like a prequel to everything, even though it had all the villains, but it's still going to be before all that. Uh, This one, I guess is just going to be about, um, you know, commissioner Gordon and all the cops of the GCPD. And I guess it might play out more like a police procedural, but here's my problem with this. We've seen what happened when they tried to do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and tried to incorporate it into the MCU. They couldn't. They, there's just no way. And mind you, that was after six or seven films, and they used a spin-off character that was incorporated in more than one film. They are basing all of this off of the possibility that uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman is a success. Which That's a lofty goal. Well, you know, you can't uh, say Warner Brothers hasn't tried a lot of bad ideas in the last few years. Um, I I am on the strong opinion that this show will not even get off the ground. Besides the fact of the current uh, climate in which police are kind of being looked at as the villains these days, um, and the fact that they, after 31 years of canceled cops and a, quite a number of other procedural shows... I do not see them being able to get Gotham PD off the air. I think a lot of people are going to be turned off by that prospect right now. In addition to that, the show is also going to be premiering on HBO Max. Well, again, uh, we I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that uh, Gotham PD hasn't even been put in production. I would assume yet because of everything going with COVID. So I don't even think it'll get to the production process. I have a strong feeling that this show is dead upon re- ar- arrival, and uh, I don't know why they're they have so much hype into the Batman. I mean, you're, you're, uh, you have your finger more in the pulse than I do, but everything I've seen of this film so far and everything that I've heard from, uh, from, uh, Robert Patterson or pattern, or I don't give a Pattinson. fuck. Is. Fuck him. Fuck him in his twilight films. Um, Jeez, girl, boy, but I, I don't, everything I've heard from him, it doesn't make me think like he's taking this role seriously. And I don't think he's, uh, looking to play a good Batman, not to mention I hate the costume from what I've seen of it so far. So unless they're going to do some heavy modification, I just things I've seen of this does not feel like a film I want to see. So aside from the Halloween franchise that you don't seem to be <laughs> too happy with, uh, you don't seem to be happy with Batman as of late either. Because between I this, I'm not really happy with the DC universe and how it was executed. I think everything's been very poorly done for many years, and I don't get it because you know with the resources that Warner Brothers has, and not to mention the uh, the second biggest comic book uh, company in the world that one time was number one and well beyond what Marvel was, I, how do they make so many missteps? I just don't get it. 
there's still the Arrowverse. Uh, okay, so there, there's the Arrowverse. Admittedly, I, I feel like the Arrowverse is uh, beyond my time, but. But yeah, that's the only thing they've gotten right is the the TV shows on uh, on CW, which how many people actually watch? Well, I mean, I I don't have cable, so I gotta wait till everything gets on Netflix. So, which I have been working on. Uh, so far, pretty good Flash, but we'll see about the rest. Um, as for something I can review, at least uh, that brings me to my third subject: um, Palm Springs which is the new romantic comedy that came out on Hulu this weekend, which, of course, there was also The Order on Netflix with Charlize Theron, but after Charlize Theron went ahead and bitch complained about the Furiosa movie, I didn't really want to care about that. This I wanted to take in. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the trailers for it. It's kind of a uh, Groundhog Day, time travel sort of thing uh, out there in the desert uh, during a wedding. And I loved it. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I enjoyed this movie even going into it knowing that okay all the same trappings that we've gotten with bill murray and groundhog day essentially the same stuff but there was a charm to this that i really enjoyed and that's mostly going to its male protagonist uh, miles played by eddie sandberg now full disclosure i've never cared for andy sandberg I haven't. Uh, you know, he had his thing on SNL. He's got the Lonely Island. He does the little music videos. It's fine. So when I was going ahead and I was going to see this movie, I was going to see it probably more for the um, the female uh, actress in the movie, uh, which is, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kristen Melody, who some people may recognize from uh, certain movies like uh, uh, was it the Wolf of Wall Street? I know her best from Black Mirror. Uh, during that, uh, what was that one episode? Uh, the USS uh, Callister. Yeah, the one that was ripping off Star Trek. Yeah, well, that's the one that pretty much made Black Mirror more of a household name. It brought it definitely out uh, to the masses, and she was the one of the main actors on that one. But she was just charming. Like I, I really enjoyed her almost cynical like uh, comedy, but still being the, the lighthearted when necessary. She kind of reminded me of like a younger Sarah Silverman. But yeah. ultimately when I go ahead and I see this for um, Sandberg, I'm thinking, okay, he's just going to be his regular goofus self that he is and stuff. No, he brings about a great deal of pathos and charm and I actually gave a damn about him, which is something I never thought I would necessarily say about an Andy Samberg movie. Because you look <laughs> at stuff he's done, whether it be Pop Star or Hot Rod, and it's just all kind of like the same goofy shit that you'd expect from an SNL alum. But I really enjoyed him in this, and it's surprising. He's not a bad actor. I've actually liked him in some other stuff. Uh, the, the one he did a while back where he tried to be a stuntman. But... Yeah, that was Hot Rod. That was like his movie premiere. So he, he does have some likability to him. I think it's just the fact of all the SNL stuff, with, whether it's the music videos or it was like the little video clips they used to do. I remember the ones significantly where he would just go ahead and just knock people's food out of their hands. And that, like, that was the video. He would just constantly be doing that to different people. I'm like, well, why should I care about this? Why should I care about this guy? Why is he funny? 
But when he really wants to go ahead and act, he he brings it. Like I I felt like I was really seeing some acting from him, and not just the goofy shit that he's known for. This is uh, the best, I'd say, um, the best performance I have ever seen of him in a film. That reason alone should be uh, worth going over to Hulu and watching it. Very interesting. Uh, Probably definitely one to catch. Well, well, I mean, obviously there's all the time travel trappings and stuff like that. That, Some of the funniest moments really come from that, uh, especially when you incorporate the the fact that obviously Sandberg and Kristen, they're caught in this little uh, time warp thing where they relive every day. But then there's a third person, Roy, played by J.K. Simmons. And he has a little bit of a vendetta against uh, Niles, so he is just constantly popping up and killing him. (laughs) And it's brilliant. Just seeing J.K. Simmons finally off the hinges and killing people like we always have wanted him to do. (laughs) We have? Oh, we absolutely we have. Come on. Between J. Jonah Jameson and what he's done in like other movies where he's been just been a dick. Yes, I have wanted to see J.K. Simmons just let loose and really get into the thick of it. And I finally get that. Okay. He has been able to play such an intimidating asshole in so many movies. I liked it that they actually went ahead and been like, you know what? Yeah, go ahead, use that bow and arrow. Go ahead and use the battery with the uh, prongs and electric. Just do what you want, man. Just murder the shotgun. Just kill. You haven't gotten that kind of vibe from J.K. Simmons? No, no, I have not. Actually, I've never, other than uh, J.J. Jameson, I never really noticed him like super vicious before in uh, other stuff. He always seemed like the voice of reason. Well, no, no, no. What, what's that? What was that one movie where he was the drumming drumming instructor? I don't know. The, it was Oscar nominated. Hold on, Christ! Not like you know uh, what it is. This, this is why I have IMDb up at all times. Uh, Whiplash. Whiplash. He was an asshole in Whiplash. I didn't you, see. Whiplash. I'm guessing you never, never heard of it. it. Never heard of it. You you never heard? Oh, my, um. See, this is why I always hurt doing this segment because I bring up so much stuff about movies, which is, of course, my passion. And JT just derails me every time with what he hasn't seen. I should point out, you've never seen Mad Max in a Thunderdome. I've seen Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. Don't remember lines from it. It's not that memorable except for Master Blaster. What else do I care about? You didn't even remember Master Blaster. But I remembered it was at least a big guy with a little guy. I'm just saying, like we all watch our different things. I have at least looked over Thunderdome since then. What have you watched that I have recommended? What have you recommended? Practically every movie that you haven't seen. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a few of them in there. I can't think of any at the moment. (laughs) You recommend some anime to me. I'll be watching that. We already went through that at the beginning of the show. There's too much anime coming out right now to keep track. But, okay. Three shows and two sequels. One day, I am just going to write a list of movies I feel that you should see. Mm -hmm. 
And one day you will surprise me about how many of them you have seen, even if it's just one. I know you will surprise me. We could make that an episode. You put together a list and we'll see what I watched. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what. Listeners, watchers, whoever it is that's out there taking this in right now, if there is a movie that you feel JT has not watched, go ahead, comment with it, put it on Twitter, put recommend it, put it on the Facebook page, get it to us however you want to. And we will go ahead and we will shout your name out. JT will watch the movie. No, he won't. Will review on it. I didn't promise that. I'm promising for you. <laughs> then you're a liar. I just, I, we need to get over this hump. We need to get you getting some media that isn't necessarily like, you know, the same old, same old. We gotta get some classics in you. We gotta get something, you know, you know, almost memorable to so many people, and yet you never even watched the first scene. Do you know how I, much that kills I me? Don't like a lot of these films that you suggest. It's simple as that. How do you know unless you've got a chance? I here's the thing with me in movies, and this is always the way I've been, and I'll probably never change. I will watch what I'm interested in watching, even if it's something that sounds interesting to me. If I'm not interested in that moment, I'm not going to want to watch it. Uh, I'll give the example of uh, actually an anime, One Piece, which always sounded interesting to me. And for the first few years that it was out, I, or at least I was aware of it, I never watched it because it was just like, ah, it's cool, but nah. It literally took me five years after learning about it to finally, no, no, longer than that, uh, 2004, 2006 years before I finally sat down and decided like, hey, let me see what this One Piece thing is all about. To be fair, One Piece is a little bit harder to do, considering it's up to like nine hundred some odd episodes. But it wasn't. But it wasn't even like the daunting task of catching up that was turning me off. It was just I wasn't in the mood for it. It took me. I'll give a better example. One of my favorite movies of all time, literally one of my favorite movies of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. I had no interest for a good decade of watching that film, like no interest. I'm like. Oh, I don't like that actor. This looks kind of boring, blah, blah, blah. And then one weekend I caught it on uh, TNT and I was like, my God, that is the greatest movie I've ever seen. It's, but I have to be in the mood for it. If I'm not in the mood for it, I'm not going to put my attention to it. Fine. I'll get the lighting. I'll put on some smooth music. I'll get some champagne, whatever it's going to take to get you in the mood. Oh, baby. Uh, <laughs> But no, uh, that's gonna be in an anime too one day, I'm sure. <laughs> but again, it's uh, you can suggest whatever you want. I'll if if I if it looks interesting to me, I'll find. Here's the thing, and also remember this, my friends. Uh, I love doing this podcast. I love you. I love my list, all our listeners. Uh, but I do have a full time job outside of this, so it's really you got to catch me in the right mood to watch something. I like that anime I watched and I reviewed today, uh, Gamers. I didn't know about it. I just kind of caught it out of nowhere and it was the right time and the right moment to watch it. If that happens, I'll watch it. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to spite anyone here, but it's, it's just kind of how I am. If, the, if this were my full-time job, if this is where I was earning most of my income or where I was earning most of my money was at least part-time so that I had more time to do other things, I could promise this, promise this a lot more, but it's it's very hard to do it when you already work a very a full-time job that they, uh, that takes up most of your time. 
So fans, like I said, if you have any movies that you'd like to go ahead and recommend, um, we're going to go ahead and just make a JT's movie tracker. And we're going <laughs> to compile a list of all the movies that he hasn't watched yet. And slowly but surely, within some number of years, we will text him. <laughs> so go ahead, send your recommendations over whenever you can. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that all said, uh, I think it's time for us to, to make our leave. Uh, as always, you can listen to the full podcast every Monday starting at midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Also, you can catch clips of the show as I'm not being lazy uh, on both our YouTube channel and on our Facebook page. And also, we do regularly update the Facebook page with any additional information on the show. So if you're on Facebook, please like us on, uh, on our page to keep up with uh, the latest information for JT and Big O. And one more little promotion, just because uh, obviously we don't have all the links I'm giving you right now. If you go to JT and jtbigo.com, you will get the links for everything I just mentioned. One easy stop shopping for everything JT Big O. With that said, I bid you all adieu. Bye-bye. For God's sakes, you have the time this Sunday. Watch a movie. (laughs) The the audience, not necessarily JT. We know that now. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone.